0: You're listening to The Strong Towns Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Strong Towns Podcast. This week at Strong Towns, we're focusing on the legacy of Jane Jacobs, Jane's Walk is a movement of free citizen-led walking tours inspired by Jane Jacobs. The walks get people to tell stories about their communities, explore their cities, and connect with their neighbors. Today I have on the line Denise Pinto. She's the global director of Jane's Walk. Yeah, Denise, we're so glad to have you. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Rachel.
1: So let's start out with a brief explanation of Jane's Walk from your perspective. Tell me about what you guys do.
0: Uh, so you did give a little synopsis of it, but what I would say is that we encourage people to meet face-to-face with their neighbors, to tell stories, um, to open up a conversation about what they care about in their neighborhoods, and to do that as a way of participating in, uh, in civic life. Uh, and so we see it as a kind of active citizenship and really a gateway to other kinds of action in the community.
1: Cool. Tell me about some of those other kinds of action that you've seen happen as a result of Jane's Walks.
0: There's such a gamut of things that have fallen out of the walks uh, because they're spontaneous and they happen in public space. Uh, and you are meeting with people um, about issues and about places that you have a shared stake in. Um, so we find people collaborating and starting projects with each other. Uh, we've had people find, uh, jobs. Uh, we've had people move into a neighborhood that they once, uh, were unfamiliar with and potentially were, uh, were even scared off by. Um, so the outcomes are, are so, so many. Uh, one nice stat that I like to think about is, uh, locally here in Toronto, we're based in Canada. Um, we had a number of friends of parks groups, so local organizations that take care of maintaining and stewarding their local parks, uh, come mm-hmm. together. Because when you uh, put out a posting and you say, come to a meeting, uh, I, I want to start a local parks group, that can be a little intimidating for people. But if you say, I'm hosting a walk, come along with me and uh, and let's discuss some ideas. People are much more open to the idea of sharing, uh, creating that dialogue, And so they do. They do come out. And uh, and from that, Friends of Parks groups actually did emerge. Um, So it's a very low barrier to entry way to get people to participate um, because they want to meet each other because it's a fun event. And
1: I know that you're based in Toronto. Right. But these are happening all over. Right. How many how many cities or countries have Jane's Walks happened in?
0: So we have, um, we had 189 cities participate in last year's festival. Uh, wow. we have an annual global event that happens the first weekend of May. Um, and that's in honor of the project's namesake, Jane Jacobs, uh, who was born on May 4th. Uh, and this year is her 100th birthday or would have been her 100th birthday if she passed away in 2006. And so, uh, so we're not sure yet how many cities are participating for the coming festival as in this grassroots space. Uh, people raise a hand, and up until the very last day before the festival, there are new cities that come online, new collaborators, new organizers all across the globe. And so um, in 36 countries, in six continents, uh, in over 25 languages, we have Jane's Walks happening.
1: What's the history of the organization? How long has it been around, and how did it get started?
0: This is our 10th anniversary, so I think it's a pretty big milestone for us, and we're excited about that. Uh, the Mm -hmm. history is, uh, is one that's tied to Jane Jacobs and, um, started when she passed away in 2006, her, uh, those who admired her work thought, how can we, um, remember her legacy in an active way? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and they proposed this project in which people do what Jane did so well, which is to walk, to look, to observe, and to think about the things that they see around them in their communities and to respond critically to those things. So the project is not one in which we take Jenny's ideas and we ask people to talk about them. It's it's one in which we ask people uh, to share their own ideas and to think critically and to think for themselves. What
1: is your role at the organization? What do you do on a day-to-day basis?
0: I am the executive director, um, so I run our – I I have my hands in many pots because we're a small charitable operation. We're a charitable project of Tides Canada, uh, which is is a charity here. And uh, and so what I do is focus on how we create the highest impact that we can in communities, and I direct and steer the organization um, by – Creating programs and staffing them and, um, and listening. I do a lot of listening to our organizers and our volunteers, uh, because generally globally we have about, um, 90% volunteers working on this. And so it's an incredible constellation of people that make up the, um, the momentum behind this project. Uh, so I have the very great pleasure of listening to all of them and uh, taking their ideas and then acting on them, uh, and doing that in collaboration with some extremely wonderful partners and funders, um, in particular in the United States, the Knight Foundation. So is most of your work focused
1: on encouraging people to participate in the walks um, in early May, or do you have other activities throughout the year as well?
0: So because we are a shoestring operation, we have a, a split at our office between a focus on local initiatives and then a support of global organizers. Um, oh, okay. There's one organizer per city, and we have supports that are available for those organizers that come in the form of workshops, um, that come in the form of toolkits, um, and we actively engage in research around walkability and community needs assessments. Uh, and then locally, also, we run a, a program through our school board um, in a to K-12 space called the James Walk School Edition that gets young people out walking the neighborhoods around their school and engages them in a kind of uh, critical and um, curiosity-based exploration and opens up some really, really wonderful ideas about public space from a youth perspective. Uh, a famously... Um, or one of the stories I like to tell is about uh, a class that became enamored with hot dog stands that were in their neighborhood. And mm. out of that point of departure, they they put together a public tour that started to look at all kinds of things: healthy food systems, and um, and the the amount of space a hot dog stand takes up on the sidewalk, and how to maneuver around it, and um, air quality, and what what kind of uh, um, sort of what kind of uh, heating apparatus or cooking apparatus is, um, is in it and, and what, uh, and what ways can we change those, um, those things so that we get at a healthier, um, more equitable public space, a a cleaner environment uh, and air quality, uh, or access to fresh food. So, uh, so I think when people look around them and they notice details like that, it opens up a really wonderful conversation. And for us, the school edition allows that to happen at a really early age.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I was not aware of that local aspect of your organization. That's mm-hmm. really cool. What are your big goals for the organization um, for this year's walks and then like for the next couple of years? What's on the horizon?
0: So for this year's walks, we're really thrilled to uh, be having conversations about um, pressing issues that face cities today. And I think, uh, I think to answer both of those questions, that cities are really important sites uh, for us all to think about because more and more people are moving into them and we're living in closer quarters and we're having to share um, civic amenities and so understanding from the point of view of everybody what the needs of civic space are is incredibly important and i think that's where james walk has the most value uh, so james Jane Jacobs famously said that cities have the capability of providing something for everybody only because and only when they are created by everybody. so our this year for the tenth anniversary we 've urged our organizers to think about the perspectives of people who might not otherwise be engaged in a conversation around city building, including newcomers, um, particularly refugees. We have a lot of Syrian refugees coming locally. Um, and, and in particular, in the European context, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, of conversation in the news media about that. But what does it look like at the human scale? What does it look like from the perspective of people where they live, of neighbors meeting each other? Um, also, youth perspectives on the city, as I mentioned. Um, seniors with an aging populace, uh, how are we making spaces that are accessible um, and continue to be accessible throughout old age? And what are the specific requirements um, to support communities that continue to thrive and be vibrant for people of all ages? Uh, another one uh, in the North American context is certainly First Nations or Aboriginal peoples, and uh, and their understanding and integration um, and questions about disenfranchisement that are um, that are rooted in, in historical problems. Uh, but there are lots of contemporary stories that can shed light on how we create more equitable programs and policies. Um, so walks, certainly dealing with social justice, have emerged as a real, um, as a really important uh, voice in our in our global chorus. And so I think where this project started out, looking at urban form and built form, and responding to Jane Jacobs' ideas, and thinking about the street and the the life of the street, and the built environment and um, the mix of modes and cars and pedestrians, uh, it's now moved to a place which sometimes feels uh, not as tangible, but, of course, you can root in specific sites in the community. So you can lead a walking tour about something as intangible as um, public safety or, sorry, uh, yeah, feeling safe in public space. Um, And Mm -hmm. there was a tour about women walking at night, for example, uh, that explored in the dark uh, what it feels like for uh, for a woman to make a commute on foot at night. And those kinds of things delve much deeper into social issues that are facing us all today um, and shed greater light, I think, on uh, the huge complexity of opinions on those issues.
1: Wow, that's really fascinating. So, So these walks can take many different formats, it sounds like. And are the local organizers kind of free to decide how they're
0: going to run their walks? Absolutely. And so even at the local organizer level, we encourage organizers to, uh, to adopt this grassroots model and to simply open up a call to action for people in their cities and people in specific neighborhoods that they work in to get involved and to lead a walk. So really, there's no curation about it. Um, it's about self-selection. It's about community-based design. It's about people raising a hand and saying, I have a story to tell. And, uh, and I think I have a conversation I want to open. And so, um, the organizers themselves are encouraged to invite that kind of spontaneity. Okay. I unfortunately
1: have never been on one of these walks before. I'm hoping to go on one this year, but definitely tell me how it works. (laughs) I know that, you know, they can take different formats, but give me an example of like how, how would this go if I was to attend one?
0: Sure. So we have a loose template because, uh, because it makes it easy for first timers to get involved as a walk leader. Uh, and we ask them to choose between six and ten stops, uh, that they think represent places of significance in the, na- in their own neighborhood. Um, and we suggest that the tour be around 90 minutes, though we have had some incredible examples. Um, for instance, a walk in Manhattan that was a 12-hour hop-on, hop-off walk uh, that started at the top of Manhattan and went all the way to the tip. Uh so there are extremes, um, but generally that that profile or that that loose model is used as a template um for for any organizer or walk leader. Uh, and then we, we suggest that people simply start by going for a walk, taking a neighbor by the hand and exploring what's around them. And through having a conversation with one or two other people, you start to generate a narrative or or a story emerges. Um, and this process now kind of tongue in cheek, we refer to it not only as storytelling, but story finding, because sometimes it's important to, figure out what it is that you have to say that actually is of interest. And often we uh, undervalue the things that we know. We think, oh, everybody knows that. Uh, But in fact, the stuff that we know, uh, that we think is ordinary is extraordinary. And so so inviting people to find that out by simply going for a walk and having a conversation. And then once they do that, coming back uh, and using our web platform to plot a route uh, in their neighborhood and make some notes. What did you see? What did you hear? What are some questions that you have maybe for your neighbors? And, uh, and give it a good theme or a title. Uh, so this year there are a number of small little libraries that have popped up in my neighborhood and I'm so curious about them and I love them and I use them often. They're, they're called the Little Free Library Project. Oh yeah. And so, uh, I take books from them. I leave books in them and I went knocking on my neighbor's doors to find out who uh, these people are, that are benefiting my community in this way, these local heroes that have put the libraries on their front lawns. And so uh, they are going to speak about why they decided to install them and what their favorite books are. And we're going to do public reading. So it, it just emerged as something that while I was walking in my neighborhood, I thought, huh, I really love this and I want to know more about it. Do you, is the is mostly
1: focused on During the walk time, or do you give people instruction of like how to, you know, make plans based on their conversations or like how to implement their ideas after that? Or does that pretty much happen organically?
0: That happens organically, I think. Uh, -hmm. our, our position in the continuum of active citizenship is really to inspire people to take that first step. And Jane's Walk has been referred to as a kind of gateway to civic action, which I like the thought of. Because when you put people face to face and they come together in this sort of spontaneous way uh, and they care about their neighborhood, um, things will happen. For sure, things will happen.
1: Yeah, that's a really important place. I think a lot of people have trouble taking that first step. So this sounds like a great opportunity to literally take that first step. Right, exactly. It's another neighborhood. What about Jane Jacobs message like speaks to you personally? Are you, have you like read her books and have a familiarity with that background?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I started my, um, my career as a, a landscape architect. And so my interest was in public space and public parks and, uh, Jane, her work was the textbook for all kinds of urban design and architecture classes. So I, Uh, I was fascinated by her writing, but I think what strikes me the most is that, uh, you know, over 50 years ago, she wrote The Death and Life of Great American Cities, and here we are facing the very same issues. And so the question becomes how we move forward uh, in a community-based way and how people in their own communities can come together to create solutions. Um, So I love that the, the perspective that she takes is one of ownership over the conversation and uh and that she as a young woman uh was able to compose a piece of writing, um a volume of work, and eventually uh a kind of intellectual trajectory that um that pushed back against stuff that was at the time common knowledge and I think is still in some circles thought of as common knowledge, though so there is a huge resurgence of, um, uh, or, a, or a kind of a huge interest in community-based planning and, uh, and people-centric spaces and, um, and human scale design. Uh, you know, when she was talking about that, it wasn't the thought de rigueur. And so really that speaks volumes for me about, um, about not being scared to articulate your own opinion and reflect on, the challenges or the successes that you have in your city um, and understand the systems behind those things uh, because there are things that we can do at an individual level, at a neighborhood level. And then there are ways that we can advocate to make changes uh, at, a, at a city level and beyond.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how relevant her work is still today. So relevant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you have anything else that you want to add before we close here?
0: I guess that the movement that she inspired um, has been so powerful because it's really simple, and we never want to lose that, that the simplicity of the format, just going for a walk, is what's made it so popular and has, um, I think, is the reason for its uptake around the world. Uh, and so now we're a global project with a, with a sort of peer platform of organizers in all corners of the world, thinking and talking about the issues that, um, that are close to home. But also we are recognizing these patterns emerging and we're interested now in putting people in touch with each other um, and activating that network so that we can all learn uh, from each other. And so if uh, your listeners are interested in getting involved, it can be as simple as posting a tour online. It doesn't have to happen on the festival weekend, which is the first weekend of May every year. Um, you can start something at any time by going for a walk, uh, posting the tour online and, um, and sending the link around to your friends. And then, uh, and then joining us in creating, a, a grassroots knowledge database of what the challenges are for cities today and what the solutions are at the local level.
1: Wonderful. And where should people go to find more information or to sign up to attend a walk?
0: They can go to www.jameswalk.org and they can also find us on Twitter at James Walk. If people
1: maybe aren't able to attend or want to see what's going on around the world, are people going to be like sharing? Photos and things from their walks on social media, is there a way to tune into
0: that? Absolutely. So you can see um, the stories that emerge. We have um, local blogs for some cities and then a global blog, which captures a number of stories that fall out of the tours. And then we produce a, a published volume each year called the Jane's Walk Annual that is a full-color uh, edition of stories about the walks. And not stories about the logistics, but like really who was it that led the walk and what happened and what were were some of the things that people said. Um, And so that's also going to be available on order on our website very soon. Excellent.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for your good work at this organization. It, It sounds like you're having an amazing impact all around the world. And I hope that our listeners will be able to jump in on some of these walks, maybe host next year, um, and generally, uh, support the legacy of Jane Jacobs. So thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me.
0: Thanks so much, Rachel. And I hope you end up, uh, out on a walk too, or maybe one day leading one. Yeah. I'm going to go look that up
1: right now. <laughs> okay.
0: Cheers.
1: Okay. Thanks so much. Take care.
0: We need your help. If you think the Strong Towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at StrongTowns.org.